Welcome to the Boston Rob Show. I am him, Boston Rob, and I cannot get enough of this WAAF saga that continues to leak out interesting tidbits of information. Now, if you're not familiar, if you, if you didn't grow up in the Boston area, WAAF was the real last rock station here. It had been around for 50 years. It had outlasted WBCN, alternative rock station here. And just recently, last Friday, it was sold to a Christian broadcasting company. They played their last Aussie song at the crack of midnight. And now, I don't know, I haven't tuned in. I guess it's gospel music? I have no idea. But it's owned by EMF, a Christian broadcasting station. And today, if you don't follow along with the radio industry trade websites, don't worry, I got you covered. I'll fill you in on all the juicy gossip. Today there was a post, and the article was titled like a soap opera. It was called, Did WAAF Have One More Life to Live? Is that a soap opera? One more life to live? One life to live? I don't know. I don't watch stories during the day. But this article explained how in the final hours of WAAF being a rock station, the newish program director, the boss of WAAF, revealed plans to revamp the station and even said they had a March 2nd launch date. March 2nd is in a few days. So they got sold a week before this huge revamp went into effect. Now, that's wild news, but it's even crazier that Intercom would allow them or have them do all that work. You got to figure that came from the top down, right? Unless everybody just on the radio station was oblivious to what was going on. I, I don't know. I'm not there. But for these people to do all that work for a revamp, had this launch date, had all this stuff done, and then sell it a week before the launch, it's, it's crazy. And something doesn't add up. I'm not saying they didn't do a lot of work to revamp the station, but I don't think it technically was a revamp. I'm going to call suspect on the word revamp. But before I go into all that, let's talk about the Hot Pocket heiress. Did you hear about this broad? I've been calling her dat bitch because, God, it's irritating to hear about these filthy, rich, hot pocket money bitches that are cheating their kids' way into college. And especially the way they're cheating. Like, they're this dat bitch, hot pocket money, she bribed the athletic department to let her kid get in on a fake volleyball admission. Like, just put that half a million dollars into your kid playing volleyball. I'm pretty sure they would have gotten good enough to get in on their own. But I got to talk about that because it's wild what's going on in this college admission scandal. And even wilder that I don't think these schools are getting punished. How is that happening? How is this legal? The school's got to be accountable, and they can't just fire people and say, hey, we got rid of a couple of bad eggs. The bad egg is the for-profit school system. F. <laughs> Does nobody get that? Anyways, so this hot pocket money, hot pocket heiress. Uh, let's be very clear on this. She did not create that miserable invention of the hot pocket. She didn't. Daddy did. And you got to wonder, if Daddy created those, is that all they ever ate? 
Did they even eat them? Were they some rich family where he's like, I'm going to create this for poor people to eat. It's a meal all in one. So poor people can eat it while they're begging for change out of the cardboard box and they can hold their hot pocket with one hand. I wonder if that was their doorbell. You got hot pocket money when you ring the doorbell. Does it go, hot pocket, someone's here. <laughs> I just can't stop saying, hot pocket. But she uh, was endowed. She inherited daddy's uh, hot pocket money and she sold it for two point something billion to Nestle. Who knew? Hot pockets. Oh, my voice is going to start going out. Keep keeping on doing that. But she sold it for billions to Nestle. Now, we all know Nestle is that slimy, grimy, awful Swiss corporation. If you've never seen the uh, documentary Bottled Life, it exposes how awful that company is for the planet. Watch it. I highly, highly, highly suggest Bottled Life. Get ready to be pissed, though, because this is one of those documentaries you can fire it up and then you don't buy bottled water for a year because you're mad at how Nestle was using up the water land rights in Maine and sucking the ground dry from all the farmers and old people up there. And they couldn't do nothing but complain. Come out on their porch, sit in their rocking chair and shake their canes at them. Hey, we ain't got the money for the lawyers, but that Nestle is sucking our ground dry of the waters. <laughs> that was like a southerner. That was not a main person. Well, main people are technically southerners. Um, some of them. So, hot pocket heiress. That bitch. Yeah, that meat matter, cheese sauce, paper mache bread and bitch. Cheated her kid's way into USC. And if USC sounds familiar, it's not because you're familiar with the Southern California elite institution of higher learning. It's because, damn, how much money did this school take from these rich kids' parents? It seems like every freaking mom that you're hearing is that's facing sentencing was trying to get their kid into USC. I'm guessing USC is quite the status symbol for those holly weird moms those dance moms or acting moms or whatever they are or just the the hallmark channel icons like Lori Laughlin. um because aunt becky she had the uh usc flag even though it was uh paid for by a half a million dollar bribe same goes for hot pocket heiress i wonder if she was known as the hot pocket bitch probably in her circle of friends i can only surmise <laughs> but she bribed to get her kid into USC. She spent a half a million too. And she not only had the kid cheat on the tests or whatever, have people come in, take the test, alter the test, whatever it is. But she got her kid accepted on the volleyball admissions, which listen, for a guy who played one year of high school volleyball, let me tell you, the competition is not that stiff out there. Okay. We were stoned every game and we crushed it. We were killing teams that actually practiced. And we rolled up in like the Scooby-Doo mystery machine van. Smoke billowing out the windows and just went in spiking on fools. So I can only imagine that if she had just taken that half a million dollars, invested it like Tiger Woods' parents and just tortured that child with unruly hours of volleyball and, and eating, sleeping, crapping volleyball. I'm sure that kid got could have got to get into USC on a volleyball scholarship and she wouldn't have had a 
pay the half million in a bribe, and now be facing 21 months in prison. But let's be honest, the rich don't go to prison. <laughs> this is America. And when you can pay for good lawyers and pay to get in front of good judges, a lot of the times you get off with prison. I mean, probation. And what sucks about that is you give that bitch hot pockets, probation, and she's going to just go, oh, this is the America I love, where you can create hot pockets, sell them to Nestle for $2 billion, and then pay your way out of any legal issues you have. But what I found most disturbing is that why does anybody think this won't continue? I mean, as long as the feds have money to investigate, I guess we could keep cracking down on it. But the truth is, is our higher institutions of learning are for profit. These are businesses <laughs> at the end of the day. They're not altruistic and wanting to do good and make sure everyone gets in equally. They don't care. Their bottom line is endowments, monies, donations. Turns out schools actually get a lot, especially like the state schools. They get a lot, a lot, a lot of money from the government. I was actually shocked to learn that, I think it was last year, Johns Hopkins University got $2 billion from the government. $2 billion effing dollars. That's a lot. Yale rounded out the list with $480 million from the government. I don't know how long this list was, but between $480 and $2 million, $2 billion, sorry, not million, billion dollars. You gotta think. If you really punished these schools and took away their federal funding, wouldn't that just make the bribery and admissions scandals be much, much worse? Like these schools would be hard up for cash. They'd be out on the corner like, yo, you want your kid to get in here? Huh? How much money you got? You got two tens and a cheeseburger? <laughs> so you obviously can't take their federal funding because these schools are already tricks for any rich parents. So what can you do? I think... Maybe you could potentially take away their their main source of income for a lot of these schools, any school that has any kind of sports team, and you could make their sports program defunct, shut it down, or at least, well, that would suck for a lot of the kids. So maybe just make it not-for-profit, a non-profit. Take away the, the one thing that the colleges do best, pimp out their student-athletes. Imagine that. If the government was allowed to say, all these uh, venues and games and janitors that you're hiring and all that, you can't, you can't pay them from your jersey sales and you can't take the profits from the jersey sales. You gotta pay them out of our federally funded given money and everything else. If somebody wants a jersey, you gotta go, yeah, you go, uh, ship it to you for free or you pay for shipping and we'll, we'll get it to you for free. That would be amazing. I would like to see the whole whole American collegiate sports system not be able to make money. Because every time I hear one of these coaches pulling in like $10 billion to coach a college team, I go, what, a, a college team? What? Not even real sports? College teams? Jesus. What's next? High school teams? It's It's a corrupt system from the top to the bottom, and that's why... Bernie Sanders is the only real solution to this. If you care about Operation Varsity Blues, then you want Bernie as president. Because imagine him making, this is the real punishment, all these schools become free. <laughs> they totally become fed and, uh, funded by the government. Could you imagine that? 
They don't get to pimp out their athletes and make a ton of money off them without giving the athletes anything besides a, a scholarship and a really bad education. <laughs> Imagine that. If these schools became free, then I think you might see some equality and some justice in the admissions department and not so many wealthy, wealthy, wealthy kids uh, or wealthy heiresses like this hot pocket bitch. Uh go into these elite schools you might actually see some people who have earned it whether it be earning it through playing volleyball really well or earning it with their brain well technically you gotta use your brain for volleyball but i think there's a little more athleticism that goes into volleyball than just your brain so hopefully america cares enough to want to stop this corrupt admission system and if you don't because you have nothing to do with college, then good for you. But at some point, you might have kids. And then you're going to realize that when your kid's spot is taken by some hot pocket heiress's bitch-ass money, then you might get pissed. So let's elect Bernie. I think that's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> All right. WAF. We got to talk about this. And one could say, I have some opinions on this. I may want to call some things suspect yeah suspect but first let me remind you why you love the podcast because here we have no corporate sponsor i say what i feel i feel what i think i think what i say i say what i think you get what i'm saying we're not like some cable tv channel that's taking a bunch of mike bloomberg's money and every other commercial they're trying to tell you how great mike is in his horribly monotone awfully not inspiring voice god I can't stand him talk. His voice is so irritating. It's it's like the worst New York accent. I could go for a president who has like a thick New York, maybe Staten Island, New Jersey accent. Mike Bloomberg's. It's like a lispy New York accent. It's just the worst. But I'm not here as one of these paid Mike Bloomberg influences trying to tell you I like Mike. No. Stop and frisk NDAs. Mike sucks. He's an a-hole. And I'm not Pete Buttigieg. Is his last name starting a motorcycle? I think just based on his last name alone, he can't be president. Well, that and the fact that he has these backroom billion-dollar campaign financiers that he's trying to protect when he's telling you, I got a plan that's plenty bold. Bernie Sanders is a radical. He wants all this free stuff. My plenty bold plan, uh, as quoting from his commercial, is to still let you pay for things. And let's really, really take it easy on, you know, taxing the ultra-wealthy. We got, ooh, Those guys have had it hard. So, I'm not some Pete Buddha gig 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 It sounds like a motorcycle dying. That's what his last name sounds like. I figured it out. We're not him on the podcast. We're more like a Bernie Sanders campaign. Free thinking. Not paid for by some corporate sponsor. We're grassroots. Why do they call it grassroots? Is it because there's like a billion D grassroots in your backyard? Because you would think you want a big, strong root system, right? Like a tree trunk. But maybe tree roots would be more of the corporate financiers, right? Just big ones and a few. Yeah, so we're more like grassroots. Because I'm guessing they call it that because there's like a kajillion grassroots in your backyard in that root system. And that's what we're trying to do here on the podcast. Because we're just saying what we're thinking. We're not bowing to any corporate sponsor here. So if you appreciate that, then please 
Not only hit subscribe on the podcast, but make sure you take one second to leave a five-star rating. If you're listening in iTunes, you're already in the Boston Rob Show podcast page. You scroll to the very, very bottom past all the podcasts. Once you get back down to the first podcast ever, right below that, you'll see five empty little golden outlined stars. You click all five and you're done. You've supported the podcast. You've helped it grow. And I can only grow this podcast with your help. With you leaving a five-star rating, that's the only way I can do it. That's why I ask you to do this in every podcast, because it means the world to me. And if you feel like it, leave a rating. I mean, a, a review. I love reading them. I can bring them to my wife. I'm like a little happy dog wagging my tail. And she's like, oh, that's nice. And I'm like, yeah, but look, look, somebody left a rating. Look at this. It's a review. Look, look, look. She's like, get it out of my face. <laughs> God bless her and, and the stuff she deals with with me. So, go ahead, leave a review, leave a rating. And, just so you know, that federally funded government money that goes to these universities, it's going to good work because there was some scientific study that proved if you do something nice for someone, like let's say you leave this five-star rating for me, you'll, scientifically proven, have a better day. Science proved that. You do something nice for somebody else, you feel better about yourself, you have a better day. It's just putting some good karma in your cosmic bank so i thank you for leaving the podcast with a five-star rating it takes but just a second and next this deserves a five-star rating what i'm gonna get into because this waf revamping i gotta call suspect from what this article on this radio industry website describes and they're describing it verbatim from the the boss of af at the time I don't believe he's any longer the boss because I believe it's a Christian station now. But what he describes was not a revamping at all. It was taking the same people who had been there, even described as one of the people that was going to be doing the mornings as a seasoned vet of the station and just doing the same thing they'd always done. But I'm going to get into all of this in just a second here on the Boston Rob Show. Alright, so for those of you who were not born a masshole or didn't grow up in the New England area, WAAF, for 50 years, was Boston's rock station. And they just played their last rock song on Friday night. So it was a sad day for a lot of people. Sad for me too. I moved back to Boston to work at that station. And when I moved here, knowing that the other alternative rock station had went defunct, and flipped over to sports, I felt like AAF could dominate the market. They could kick ass for another 50 years. That's why I took the gig. I was sure that it could kick ass. And for my first two years there, it did. So much so that we made the papers. The girl that was on the show with me told me that the year that I was there, she had hit her first bonus. When we hit our first bonus a year after I got there, that was her first bonus in her entirety on that show. Which I was kind of shocked because coming from San Diego, we worked our asses off to get our bonuses. I couldn't believe that in the 8-10 years she was there, she hadn't hit one bonus. But that's what we were doing while I was at the station. So, I had a belief that this station could last forever. Forever. But... That station and some of the people there did their best to extinguish everything about me. 
So, during some of the social media posts, the emotional crying posts, I felt a bit, bit like Heath Ledger in The Dark Knight, where everybody's crying and I'm going, you want to hear a story about my scars? Why so serious? <laughs> God, I love that movie. But this Radio Insight article quotes the newish program director. I didn't get to work with him. Uh, the boss of WAF, Joe, as going on the air in the final hours to reveal a grand plan that was about to large, launch on March 2nd. I was trying to say launch and March at the same time. Large second. <laughs> in this article titled like a friggin' soap opera, did AAF have one more life to live? One more life to live. Do, 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 do. I don't think that's any soap opera ever. Um, they didn't have theme songs like that. Or did they? Nobody really knows. But they say Joe dropped a bombshell saying that while Entercom was negotiating the $10.75 million sale of the station, Still can't get over that. $10.75 million. You could hit the lottery today and be in the market to buy a radio station. That's nuts. And what's even more nuts is I post that on Facebook and a friend, a radio friend in San Diego says, yeah, there's a station up for sale here, Beachfront Radio Waves, for $2 million. He was going to ask a friend to maybe get some capital investment going on and maybe buy it himself i don't know what he was thinking but he was like i was gonna ask a friend which in san diego most friends have that kind of money um so i can't i can't get over that 10.75 million we could have passed the cup around boston and raised that kind of money jesus what were you doing that's why this is an inside job none other than the great robbie road steamer said that on instagram and i totally agree inside job going on but the local management which is important in this story because AF is one of the stations you can proudly say had boots on the ground. It wasn't some guy named Shock from Denver programming and syndicating his show to Boston. We actually had people in that station that they were preparing. The local management was preparing a major relaunch of the station for this Monday. This coming Monday. That's friggin' nuts. It got sold right before the relaunch. What's something sus suspect? But Joe went on to say they were going to fill the AM slot that was lacking the show that I was on for a bit. And then that show went to the sports station with a station vet. And they named the guy in this article. If you want to go read it, RadioInsight.com, you can find the article there. Um, but they named this guy and they called him a station vet. So a revamp with the station vet doesn't sound like you're bringing in new eyes, but we'll get to that in a bit. I know this guy. He did the graveyard shift forever. That's He did the overnights. Like, I would come in and he would be leaving. So he was there for a long time. And I don't know if he was on the air. I, I think he was on the air. But either way, he was doing the overnights. And they were just going to move him to the mornings. This boss, Joe, the program director, which I don't know if he has on-air experience or not. But usually when you're a PD, you're, you're not on air. Although radio is totally changing and now they're hiring people to be the boss and the on-air guy. Be your own boss. Don't get paid double. Don't get paid like a boss. You just get paid like an on-air guy while you have the title of program director as well. But this boss, Joe, was going to join Mike Shue in the afternoons, which I say, why? <laughs> like, that is so confusing to me. 
Did Shu need it? I don't think Shu's one of the most talented people I ever got to work with. That dude's brilliant, and he's brilliant working alone, which is very, very hard to do in radio. To sit in a room by yourself and talking to a mic, still be funny, still crack jokes, still have the timing, and do it all on your own. And Shu did it, but they were gonna. The boss had decided he was going on the air. That's how it goes when you're the boss. They were gonna keep the middays the same at AAF, and then get rid of the syndicated nighttime show which was a show called The Men's Room. It was at my buddy's station in Seattle. Which that's where they actually broadcast it. And then they just beam it in with satellites, I think, uh, to AAF. <laughs> no wonder that didn't work. <laughs> I mean, Seattle could be similar to Boston, but anytime you're syndicating a show, I just, it's not going to be the same, you know? Unless it's in the enormity of an opening at the Howard Stern, you're just not going to get that same feel. And a lot of times local people at night does best that's why they have the men's room in seattle because those guys are local but i'm getting way off track they were going to replace that syndicated show at night with get this drum roll please are you ready for the revamp revamp meaning renew or remodel uh redoing it relaunching they said drum roll for the replacement no okay with a weekend guy who is also a seasoned vet of the station. So it, 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 I got to address these points one by one, and I will in a minute. But Joe finished by saying that they were taking the musical direction back to the days of AF when AF took more risks and chances, when they broke bands like Shinedown and Godsmack. Then he said they had worked so hard to build that, and the station was sold. <laughs> So let's address some of these points because I got to address a lot of them because you suspect um, breaking bands. OK, let's just go into that right away, because I believe that's based off of the radio personalities. If you're from mass or maybe you just know local mass whole folklore, everybody knows that Rocco, the afternoon guy, had broke Godsmack because he was friends with Sully. So they gave him a tape and played on an AF and. I don't know if it was Radio Magic that he did it against uh, what the program director wanted or what the the technicalities of the story was, but Rocco had played them because it was his buddy's band, and then they blew up. I don't know the story of Shinedown being discovered by AAF or if that's even a thing. I tried researching it. I couldn't find anything like that, but uh, okay. Breaking bands like Shinedown too. Okay. But again, my belief is that the personalities, especially those willing to take risks, break from the norm, can create that kind of atmosphere at a station. And AF, notoriously throughout the years, AF was that corporate rock station that could have the personalities like Opie and Anthony, Bob and Zip, like Rocco and Birdsey, who would do things outside the norm, who would do things against the grain that, that people told them, don't do that, you're going to get in trouble. And they did it anyways, and it created this awesome culture of radio here in Boston. That's what people loved. It wasn't that we were going to find some music that you hadn't heard and play it. No, it was that the personalities were doing this on their own. They lived the lifestyle. And it was awesome. I'm telling you, growing up here in Boston, I still remember these people and these shows because of who they were. So when he talks about like taking the music direction of AF and in those days I I listen mu music programming isn't my forte 
but I don't think that's what was lacking. <laughs> you know, you're not going to find too much of what AAF was playing on any other stations here in Boston. You own the market in that sense. You owned it. You could have done a lot of things different. I don't know about the music programming, but to me, it was like the talent made the station. That's what I knew everybody loved. And I don't think, with all due respect, I, I love some of the talent, but this article goes into the ratings for the station, which they called anemic, an anemic 1.1 share. And just to get some perspective, the, the number one station in Boston had an 8 share, but that was up, they said, from a 0.8 to a 1.1. So it was not good. The station ratings were not good. So whatever was going on with the people that had been running things, it wasn't doing well. It wasn't, it needed a revamping. But it's weird how this program director would announce this because either Entercom allowed them to do all this work and okayed the revamping and them putting all this effort and work into it, knowing that they were going to sell it and just let them kind of, do this on their own being like yeah good for them we're just we're gonna sell it anyways and they didn't know or intercom saw the revamp and thought probably what i thought that's not a revamp at all you're taking an overnight guy moving them to the mornings you're keeping the middays you're keeping the afternoon show you're putting the boss on the air now for what were fans calling for that was the audience they said they listened to the listener suggestions in the article and we're listeners going like, we need that PD on the air. He's so awesome. This new guy that we don't hear on the air. We need him. Was that one of the suggestions? <laughs> it, see, it really seems like, and, and I don't know this guy. He's probably a good guy. But from what it feels like, um, and probably there's other people thinking this that just don't want to say it. He just wanted to be on the air. <laughs> and he's the boss, so no one can tell him no. Unless some much higher up from corporate is going to be like, you can't do that. Well, they kind of did. They sold the station. They probably saw, this is what I was getting at. They saw the revamp. They saw the work they had put in and went, yeah, we're going to sell it. <laughs> Which is nuts. Oh my gosh. I can't believe it. The definition of revamp in this guy, and this guy will never hire me. Let's just be honest. Okay. I'm not saying anything bad about him. I think it's weird that as a boss, you choose to just jump on afternoons, like the most conveniently timed show. You're like, you're not going to do mornings. You, that's the hot ticket, right? But just after your shift is done, you're going to jump on the mic for a few hours. It seems suspect. That's all I'm saying. And listen, again, I don't know this guy. And there's probably people right next to him thinking it, but don't want to say it. And, and I respect them because they probably want him to hire them later. But here on the Boston Rob Show, I'm not trying to get hired. I just want to say what it is. Because I know other people are thinking this. Like, that dude was the boss, so he could put himself on the air. He also put on the overnight guy into mornings on a top 10 rock station. You would think, which I know personally because I reached out to someone who still worked there and said, Hey, listen, I'm going for, I was going for the afternoons at the time. I didn't know mornings was an option. I would have went for that. And they probably would have told me, well, you have no experience hosting your own morning show. So no. But this guy who is doing overnights, like they're going to slip him in. And listen, he's great. If you're just talking in between songs, 
He was great. Maybe that's all they were going to do at mornings, which I think you miss a huge opportunity there to put, you know, another great morning show or build your own morning show, which maybe they were going to do that with him. They saw something that he was doing in the overnights. I don't know. But some of this uh, stuff is so suspect. And it sucks because when I reached out to this person at the station and said, hey, you know, could you put in a good word? Could you could you tell this dude about me and who I am? They were like, we're not looking backwards. I know, just my gut tells me he's not looking at the past and what AF has done in the past. We're only looking forward on, on the future and we're really hard at work at building a new future. And I thought with that, I honestly saw, I was like, yeah, no worries. I'm still going for it, but I respect your opinion. But I honestly thought what they were saying was like, oh, we're, and they stated, we're getting people from all across the country, all different walks of life, old employees, new employees, or not new employees, but future prospects, like big, big shows all reaching out to us. So we're going to go in a totally new direction. I thought like they were going to look for someone new. So to come to find out that this was the plan to put on people that who had always been at the station so much so they called the person that was going to do the mornings, a seasoned vet. And then just put on a weekend guy in the night slot. I go, that was your vision for the future. I hate to say this, but it lacks a lot of creativity. <laughs> I guess that's how I'll put it because it didn't seem like a revamp. It didn't even seem like a shakeup. It was keeping almost every show in place. They just were going to do something different with the music. I could just, this is like the one time and I hate to do this. I agree with Entercom. Like, if you're faced with that option, I guess 10 million sounds good. <laughs> Jesus. I hate that I'm saying this because I don't want to agree with Entercom. But to think that you have Boston's only rock station and you're doing that with it, like you're 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 not bringing in anyone new. You're not even going to at least when I write you, you know, go, oh, well, we did that. We were hitting bonuses. We made the papers. We had great ratings. That might be an option. Maybe we should consider that. It was just like we're not looking back, but Technically, we are looking back because we're only looking at people who have been on the station for a really long time. That would have been more honest. But again, you know, wanted nothing to do with me. But this is also the station that... Bef so, for those who don't know, uh, when I, before I'd gotten laid off, I was chasing the boss at the time, this dude named Ron. I was chasing him down to find out the ratings because I had a feeling they were bad. So for six months, emails and going to his office going, I need to find this out. Yeah, 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 we'll get to it, we'll get to it. But I was really concerned because when you stay on top of the ratings and you look at the books and the weeklies, you can kind of figure out what's trending, what's doing good, what's not, and you can really compare notes on things. Well, I didn't hear stuff for months and months. So finally, when he sits us down in December and tells us the ratings are not good, you're in like a three-way tie for eighth. And I was like, yeah, well, I knew that, Like, but I wanted to see this earlier so maybe we could put a stop to it <laughs> so maybe we could do something different maybe we could look at what bits weren't doing well because uh, radio has those options now and during that time I was also wanting to create new and more content I was wanting to do a podcast and put it up like I'm doing now uh, do my own podcast and put it up on the my WAF blog page but I got no feedback on that. And I also thought that the guys I was hiring, all the assistant producers, were fascinating kids. 
In fact, one of them's like a producer now on the show at the sports station. The other one was working at AAF. So I was dead on. Like these kids were talented. And I thought it would be great to have them on the podcast and have this new little feature. So I'd put that up on my blog and it got taken down immediately. Not by me, but by the IT guy. And when I reached out to him, he said that the boss, this guy Ron, had made me or had made the IT guy take it down. Which I had explained, like, if you're doing radio and you don't have on demand and a podcast and other features on the website, you're losing opportunities. You know, there's opportunities to grab people that listen to podcasts, to to expand your audience, to maybe even mine for content in your assistant producers, which we did all the time in San Diego. I mean, in San Diego, the interns provided so much content and it was brilliant. But again, we're in Boston, so you can't step on egos here. Um, You know, no one's bigger than the, the guys who have been there the longest. I don't know how the station continues if you don't grow a farm team, but that's what it was so that got taken down and what do you know after they lay me off within a month or two it seemed like every dj on the station had a podcast on their blog page these have all fizzled out i don't think you're a listener to any of the podcasts that any af personality was doing because i don't think they were passionate about it i don't think they really believed in it that's why I do my podcast. Call me crazy. I like talking into a microphone by myself in my office. I really enjoy this. This is my passion. That's why I was doing it at AF. It wasn't to try to become a star. It was because this is what I love doing. And the guys I, would ta- I was talking to were funny, had crazy stories, and they had unique takes on stuff. And I thought it was brilliant content. But they obviously liked my idea enough to do it right after I was let go and that fizzled out but it's stuff like that where it was like they were acknowledging that i was trying to bring ideas to the table new revamped relaunched ideas stuff that had been done in radio just not there but i don't know it didn't take people didn't care they were miserable doing it i don't know i have no idea i didn't get to talk to anybody about it i thought it was awesome when i saw it i went oh wow look the boss is making everybody do podcasts now like i've been asking to do forever (laughs) that he wouldn't let me do but when i finally so back to the ratings so when i finally found out like a month before i get laid off that our ratings were that horrible in that meeting that boss tells the host and the co-host that they sound overtly racist that we had done bits on the show by like former people on the show come in and play audio bits some of those bits were white people pretending to be black and that was being aired and you know it was bad when i was the one in charge of me and my guys the assistant producers we would put that audio up on the website after the show for on-demand content like i said you do the on-demand content and then hopefully if you're a really good show and you're putting in the work you do a extra content podcast you do something different that people haven't even heard at all and you put that on the web and you're grabbing new audience members all the time but when i had posted some of these uh bits that this former show member was bringing in and playing on air they would be taken down 
And I would ask my guys, I would text them when they had left. I'd go, hey, you didn't post that today? Or did you take it down? What happened? You have trouble with it? And they go, no, I posted it. It should be there. And I would check and the, the logs would show that it was uploaded and saved and all that. Then I would ask the IT guy and the IT guy again would say, the boss made me take it down and doesn't want it back up. And I knew then, I didn't have to ask any more questions. Oh, he knows that this is like really horrible racist stuff that's going on in the air. So bad so that he wouldn't even let it go on demand. Now, I didn't save all of it. Some of the people in the studio I know definitely did because they thought it was nuts too. But this is the stuff that was going on when I, I had so many aspirations for the station. I had so much hope to make like this kick-ass show that wasn't doing racist material that was trying to expand our reach and do new things like podcasting but i don't know if people just didn't like me or what it was i i know i don't talk to a lot of them so they probably just didn't like me but i was it snuffed out at every turn which sucks because all i wanted to do was help that state that's why i came here to help that friggin' station uh, be number one. Like we were exactly a year after my start date. You can check the ratings if you belong to one of these industry trade websites and you can go back that far. Uh, March 2015, the spring book of 2015, we were number one on WAF. And it made the papers. I got it on my, if you go to my website, Boston Rob R-O-B-B, you'll see. I took a picture of the article where it says, WAF beats out the, sp- the sports station. I was so proud of that because I worked my ass off that year. And I was trying to do more and more and more. But people, if it featured me, it just wasn't worth it. <laughs> I guess that's what it came down to. So now I do my own podcast. But I'm going, I'm going so way off track here. (laughs) Like, I'm so, so, it it reminds me of like Bloomberg now, like the Bloomberg campaign. I keep reading these stories and hearing like Andrew Yang saying Bloomberg's buying people silence. He's funding enough people to create an atmosphere where like, you know, people won't say Bloomberg has done anything wrong and people when they're paid enough will overlook all the things he's done wrong and just say yeah he's a great guy plus he's like a huge donor so and that was kind of like the atmosphere there you know when you got someone who's rich enough to kind of fund everything around him nobody wants to bite the hand that feeds but when you get certain people that don't care about that and just want a station to be great Uh, You get some conflict, but that's where you get the best stuff, you know? I'm not saying anyone was right or anyone was wrong. I mean, the station's gone now, so it just sucks. But, uh, I don't know. There was potential. There was potential. It just was overlooked, I guess. I don't know, because to know that their ratings were a 1.1 and that was up from a 0.8 is like, wow. That's not good, especially when you're AAF, you have a brand, you have a really good brand, (sighs) it just sucks. But again, to address the revamp, they didn't add anything new, no new talent. It was old talent. It was really old talent. It was such old talent that they called them a seasoned vet in this article. So when you're not adding new fresh faces, getting fresh eyes on something, 
How are you going to break norm, take risks, get creative? I've always believed, and call me crazy on this, but I think other people agree, fresh eyes, fresh minds are usually the best way to do things like that. When you have folks that have been there for 20, 30 years, I don't believe they give the freshest take on something. That what you're doing when you when you put a seasoned vet on mornings, <laughs> the seasoned vet being the overnight guy, and you're keeping the same rotation during the day except adding the program director, the boss, which that is so crazy to me. I really am curious as to like how I, I would just, you know what? I'll even say this. I don't know what those people are doing now. You're more than welcome to come on the podcast. I'd love to interview you. And I'd love to ask you, what what was the decision to, to the boss, ask this to the boss, wh- what prompted you to make the decision to put yourself on the air? <laughs> I wonder if anybody asked him that. No one had to ask him that because he was the boss. Everybody had, had to go, oh, yeah, that sounds awesome. I would love that. That's what you had to say to him, which can you imagine that? Like, that sucks. Imagine having your own show. You finally get your own show back after being a producer on another show after you had your own show. So the, the just so we're all following along, you have your own show, then you're taken off that show because they give it to someone else and you're put as the producer on a show and then they fire me. So you're the producer now. Then you finally get your own show back because that morning show that you're producing for goes to a different station. You finally get your own show back, but the new boss is like, Hey, I'm going to join you. You must be smashing your head against the wall when he's not looking. But then when he comes in and talks about like how great the show is going to be and the, the, the chopping it up, you guys are going to do, you're like, yeah, this is going to be fun. I got to use the bathroom now to hit my head against the wall again. Like what do you, you can't go? No, he's the boss. He'll be like, you're out. I'm in then. (laughs) And that's what sucks. Oh, but maybe who knows? I don't know him. I know the other guy and the other guy is super talented. Maybe he was even more talented. I don't know why Entercom didn't see this. <laughs> okay. It's just a sad day. This is a weird way for me to deal with my grief because I'm very sad that AF is no longer here. I can no longer apply to positions there and get denied. Uh, the people that hate me and don't talk to me anymore that used to work there, uh, can no longer work there without me. I I don't know where I'm going with this. But that is it for this Boston Rob show. I've said enough. Obviously, this PD Joe is never going to hire me because I'm... um, Well, maybe he will. Maybe he'll come on the podcast, which Joe, open invitation. I don't know what you're doing right now. I can help you search for jobs. I got a great agent. Um, But... Let me tell you this. If you want to come on the podcast, I would love to know what went behind. And I'm sure there's probably a really good explanation. You know, it was, I, I just don't know it. And from where I sit, it looks suspect, but I'll say this. I'm totally, and I can do the interview over the phone. You're more than welcome. I'd love to find out what really went on. And now AAF's gone. I don't know if everyone still plans on working in AAF or I mean, (laughs) obviously not at AAF or maybe. How do you feel about Christian radio? I'm down with it. I, I Maybe they'll hire me. Probably not. I, you know, they're not going to look backwards. Um, but I will say this. If you get, you know, we're all getting older. Maybe radio's not for us anymore, right? 
Or maybe you guys do a podcast. Like I uh, listen, I'm still saying to this day, Mike Shu, please do a podcast. I'll promote it. I would love to have you on. I I I mean, gosh darn it. I would listen to his podcast. That sounds like I would promote that. Um but if we're not all gonna work in radio, let's just be honest with each other. That's all I'm asking for. You know, let's be honest. Just say like I really wanted to be on AF and I forced my way in. <laughs> And it was a bad decision. You admit that, and we're, we're cool. Maybe I'll hire you on the podcast someday, and we'll have no hard feelings. <laughs> oh, man. What happens when you don't care anymore if they're not going to hire you? Uh, so this is the Boston Rob Show. Like I said, the only way this podcast grows is with your help. So please... If you can, leave the podcast with a five-star rating because God knows there's one PD out there that definitely isn't going to hire me. Although, I'm just saying what probably a lot of people were thinking. Um, So, now I really need your help with the five-star rating. If you could leave it, it'd be great. Um, And stay tuned because the more I find out about AAF, like I just read this article today, so I had to talk about it because it was like, that's crazy. Like, I don't know if it was that announcement of the relaunch was a plea to the fans like hey we had done some awesome stuff you should be pissed or if that was like hey look they let us do this and saw it suck so bad that they sold the station i really don't know or if they just didn't even know that there was going to be a a selling off of the state no they definitely didn't know they probably just found out but my point is, is like hey intercom uh you obviously didn't know this was coming either. You had hired a new PD just recently, and then you went and did it anyways. So why'd you do it? I would love to talk to the people at Endercom. Oh, here goes another place that's not going to hire me. Great. Um, but I would. Anyone at Endercom want to answer that? Like, what's up with the last minute sale? What didn't you think could be profitable? Because stuff that's profitable, especially in radio, radio is all about profit. End of day. That's why they do syndication. They can save money and not hire people in the actual studio and just beam in from a satellite another show. So AAF being a rock station in Boston when there's not a lot of rock stations in Boston has to be profitable. What happened? You didn't didn't believe in the profitability of this? I don't know. God, I have so many questions that I just wanted answered, and I can't get them by myself. So open invite to anybody who wants to come. And while I'm at it, all the people I've pissed off, uh, Church of Satan, I know you guys are pissed at me too, but you're more than welcome to come on and do the interview. If you missed that podcast, uh, I talk about it, just search back through the podcast, Church of Satan, and how sensitive they are, and you'll see why they're mad at me and the Twitter feud we got into when they just troll people. So when you troll the Church of Satan, how can they get mad at you? Aren't they supposed to, like, you know, be down with the devil and all that? I don't know. Those Satanists, they're uptight. Oh, they don't like being called Satanists. <laughs> they get offended. Oh, boo-hoo. Jeez, you didn't think that would be coming from a born-again Christian, did you? All right. I am Boston Rob, like we end the podcast every time. Destiny is all. Remember that. Whether you're laid off or not, destiny is all. Much love to all of you, and spread that love. Peace.